0: Hello, I'm Dr Rebecca Pearce and you're listening to the Who'd Have Thought That? About Drought podcast series. In this series, I'm going to be sharing with you some of the very interesting and detailed information that contributors have shared with me in my quest to record memories of past droughts from around the UK. What do I mean by Who'd Have Thought That? Well, that's just it highlights from my encounters with willing memory donors when they have said things that I never would have thought about in connection with the impacts and responses to drought in the natural and social sphere. Things like this.
1: I can remember the leggings that we used to wear back in the 70s and that were made of plastic. and The helmets, believe it or not, were made out of a hardboard. That's right, yeah, and you wouldn't believe that they would make leggings out of plastic, but they were yellow plastic, they were. And, um, and um, I'll be honest with you, right, they used to melt very easily, especially on the bottom of where the, 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 the Wellington boots were.
0: Yes, who'd have thought that, in 1970, we would have been sending people to fight heath and mountain fires in plastic and hardboard? That was Brian, a retained firefighter in the Herefordshire Fire Service. We were discussing the difficulties he and his colleagues encountered whilst fighting fires during the long, hot summer of 1976. Of course, Brian is quite happy with the uniform he has today.
1: Today, right, um, the equipment, uh, the uh, leggings, the tunic, it's all fire-resistant now, it's absolutely top, top kit.
0: Thanks, Brian. Brian was not the only one who struggled with the uniform. Here's Glynn, another firefighter, talking about the mountain fires in Wales that same year, and in particular, the Blorange mountain fire. How many fire engines were there, do you think, working and how many firemen?
2: There was a lot of firemen because I think the whole of the south Wales was on fire. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them was started deliberate. The 76th one, it's a funny thing that day because I put the call in. Oh really? Yeah, because me and the wife, I was working. I had to go to work at 6 o'clock in the evening mm-hmm. on the night shift. So I said to the wife, we'll have a little picnic up the Keepers. Nice day. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice pond up there. Up yeah. there, yeah. yeah.
2: And we was having a nice little picnic. And then uh, I could see the fire started. Right. So I spoiled it over day. Yes.
0: And it, did it just sort of spontaneous? Spontaneous,
2: was yeah. Right. No, okay. There's no children involved.
0: No.
2: No. No. And so, from then on, it was nine weeks of graft. Really? Yeah.
0: Really. And, and what when, what did you see initially? Literally just a few flames?
2: Just, just a bit of smoke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I knew what was going to happen because right. it's so dry it was. Yeah.
0: And, and nine weeks, what was that work, you know, what was the nine weeks of graft like, how did...?
2: Very tiring, it was mm-hmm. just tired from start to finish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very tiring.
0: And ha- what kind of area did the, the fire eventually cover?
2: Oh, quite a few acres, because mm-hmm. as you've come up over the keepers, mm-hmm. to your left hand side, all that was burning. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that obviously, it was burning because there's a lot of peat underneath as the, well as the, yeah. um, the bracken and the heather on top. Um, and how did you go about fighting the fire? Well, it sounds like with a good question. But right, so it was all done with beaters? Most of
2: it was done with beaters oh. until finally there's two ponds we could go from to make a relay. Mm-hmm. As the balls pond, they call right. and the keeper's pond. Right. There are two relay lengths from there. Mm
0: -hmm. And when you say relay, this is a sort of hoses joined together or...?
2: You put about three or four lengths of hose out and then a small pump in between. Right. And that's how it goes on.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. But uh, most of it was done by beaters. Mm -hmm. And then we had to bring the green goddesses in.
0: Both Brian and Glynn explain in their oral history recordings that were made for the historic drought project that fire officers would often work 12 hour shifts without breaks back then. Not only did they have to wear heavy duty tunics and plastic trousers, but they didn't generally carry drinking water. Dehydration was a serious problem and removing a part of the uniform could get them into trouble. At one point Glynn got so hot he took off his tunic Unfortunately for him, his commanding officer said he completely understood that it was impossible to cope in the heat in full uniform. Of course, today things are very different. Fire engines are not only equipped with the means of fighting fires, which includes knapsack sprayers that make heath fires easier to control, but they also carry drinking water, and some even have tea and coffee making machines on board. In the UK, we have both summer and winter droughts. The intensity of the final three months of the drought in 1976 came about because it was preceded by two dry winters and the summer of 1975 was also dry but not so hot. For a lot of people, 1976 was a great time for outdoor fun and quite often just sunbathing. For those who had important roles protecting the health and safety of the nation, often they weren't able to dress down like Mary, who was in charge of an isolation ward in a hospital in Exeter.
3: We were told that um, there was a problem with Lassa fever being brought back from Africa to here Mm -hmm. and Marburg disease as well, which is similar to Ebola. It comes from monkeys and so on, Mm -hmm. and fruit bats. And um, we had sort of tried to get together a kit to cope with it, but until you do it, you don't really know. And... um, one day I was phoned to say that the ambulance people were bringing in a chap from North Devon, in Marksdorf, and um, they thought he might, he was had been in contact with Lassa fever, so I didn't know in what way, um, and they thought he might have it. He certainly had pneumonia of one kind or another, which is one of the presenting features. So we quickly organised ourselves and got dressed up, you know, and um, this poor man arrived, you know, looking very bewildered with a mask on his face and the ambulance Mm. men dripping with sweat and all this double-suited and all the rest of it and they brought him in and I put him into bed and by the time I'd made him a cup of tea, settled him, taken his temperature, showed him where things were, I I was just finished, you know, Mm. because we had these non-permeable personal protection suits. Mm. which I gather from talking to people who worked in Sierra Leone, that it's just the same with Ebola. They can't work long. No, So
0: how long do you think would have been your maximum in a... A half an hour. Yeah, Mm. yeah. At
3: least per patient, you know, in the room. Then you'd have to come out and drink and strip off. Mm. And we all had our hair cut short, that was the other thing. You know, girls with very long hair ended up with sort of almost crew cuts because they just couldn't cope
0: hair around your neck and you know yeah very very tight draining trying to just
3: keep cool yeah yeah Yeah, i can imagine that you went on duty and you were just soaked in about half an hour
0: we think of the 1976 drought as the standpipe drought though not all parts of the country experienced water rationing to that level however many towns and villages in wales and devon were affected by cuts or standpipes the merits of both were debated and rotor cuts were considered to be more manageable. But they had the unintended consequence in Wales of making it even harder to fight fires, as Glyn went on to explain. We
2: had one incident where they, they, the water board, they shut the water off, mm-hmm. and that was over And we had a bad fire there, and it was going to some cottages. Mm-hmm. And I thought, we can't beat this out, so we had to water, so they... On the board mm-hmm. and they got the water just in time. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. just in time. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. been a couple of cottages gone up.
0: With so few opportunities to access water and exhausted fire crews, the mountain fires raged for weeks and caused a lot of lasting damage. I asked Glynn how it ended. Oh yeah it went out.
2: It started raining a little bit, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. But you need a lot of rain on a mountain yeah because the peat goes down sometimes six seven feet some places. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we used to know that because we'd be walking along.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's just a spirit.
2: It's hot, I can tell you. Oh, I bet. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And we never saw. War. No. No, the boys we were. Good. I'm glad. Ca-
0: I'm glad to hear it. Blenavon is now an industrial world heritage site, and some of the success of that site can be attributed to the fire in 1976, according to local historian Dr. Nathan Matthews.
1: is a world heritage site. Um, it's obviously located in South Wales, and grew up because of the iron and coal industries. Uh by the by, the twentieth century when the, the, the big fire occurred in nineteen seventy six, it was uh, more of like a post industrial community. Um, but uh, in terms of this project, I think the most interesting thing is the nineteen seventy six fire and, and how that affected Blenheim. Mm. Um, it was a very harsh, a very very hot summer starting in the in the the, the April of nineteen seventy six, and there were lots of grass fires taking place throughout Gwent. During that time I think they were about 850 altogether uh, in about three months Um, and a very serious one occurred in Blenavon at the end of June 1976 and the fire brigade had to go out and uh, and try to fight it and they were up there fighting it for several weeks. Uh, Lots of wildlife was killed. Um, It was quite a damaging fire, a lot of the heather moorland was destroyed Lots of animals, uh, sadly, lost their lives. Uh, but interestingly, a lot of the area's industrial heritage was actually and uh, was actually made more visible by the fire. It, it removed a lot of the heather and the, and the and the bracken, so you could see a lot of the industrial remains of the area.
0: I'll be talking more about the connections between droughts and archaeology in the next podcast, and I hope you can find the time to join me for another selection of who'd have thought that moments. But in the meantime, if you want to find out more about the impacts of the 1976 drought, or you would like to hear my conversations with Brian, Glynn and Mary in full, these can be found via the Historic Drought Inventory. In the inventory, you will also find plenty of information from local and regional newspapers that detail the full extent of some of the major fires in Wales and the West Country, and in particular, the Blorange Mountain fire. It's described in detail, in items from the Free Press of Monmouthshire, incorporating the Pontypool Free Press and the Herald of the Hills.